The scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and I'd like to invite you, let's read it together. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. May the Lord bless his word this morning. Today, I'd like to invite you to use your imagination, pretend that this morning, Instead of attending a worship service, you are attending your own funeral. Smell the flowers. Listen to the soft organ music. Look at the familiar faces around you. They have gathered here today to celebrate your life to remember your deeds here on earth. And then as you look at the program, there's going to be three people that are going to be speaking. And by now you're wondering, what are they going to say about me? Well, what do you want them to say? Begin with the end in mind. It's the second holy habit. This habit invites us to have an image, a picture of the end of our lives as a frame of reference. It also invites us to have a clear understanding of our journey and our destination. God reminds us in his word, as we read this morning, that where there is no vision, and other versions will say, where there is no revelation, the people run amok or wild. In other words... If we do not have a personal and or corporate vision, we will not know where we're headed. A vision or a goal is a must for the person who wants to make his or her life count for something. The desire to reach that goal gives us meaning and a reason to wake up every morning. It motivates us to go on, even when we are going through a life crisis. Beloved, purpose gives us direction. Most of the time, we live in what is presently happening to us rather than what is promised to us. When we live in the land of the present without any hope, without any anticipation or direction for the future, we live as a product of the past. 
I'm sure that you have people in your life or maybe in your family or maybe you're one of them that when people want to talk to you, when they engage you in a conversation, you always or they always take you to the past. The divorce they had 40 years ago, the child that didn't do what it was supposed to do, the sickness that you had, but you survive and you're much better now. But you keep going back there. Why is that? Because you got stuck. There are people who today are 35, 40, 50, but they are stuck in their family of origin and their dysfunction that happened when they were five. The daddy who walked away or the mother that really didn't care much. And so we are captives of our past. I, I find it very um, sad when I meet people who have a divine destiny, but yet because, remember what we talked about last, uh, last Sunday, the sins that so easily entangle them. They never get to reach their divine destiny because they are bound by their past. The Israelites' children could not be filled with yesterday's manna, neither will we. We must leave the land of the past to move forward to the promised land, the land that the word of God says is flowing with milk and honey. And he who promised is faithful. Keep your eyes on the promised land. Forward-thinking people position themselves to receive the blessings the Lord has for them, to empower them to fulfill their vision. We here at Pontevedra must do the same. Our vision is to love God, love people, and grow Christ followers. If anybody comes to us asking us to do something different, we, we, we have to look at the vision. And if it isn't part of the vision, then we don't do it. Otherwise, why have a vision? And it's the same thing in our lives. God has a divine destiny for you, for us as a community of believers and everything outside that divine destiny, the Bible calls it wood, hay, and straw, which will be burned up when tested by fire. 1 Corinthians 3.12. As the late Stephen Covey asserted, we must begin with the end in mind. This includes every area of our lives. Marriage, relationships, um, kids, work, just life as a whole. Beloved, every time we're going to do something of importance, we should ask ourselves, what is the outcome I desire? How do I want to find, to, uh, to finish this earthly race? Am I running toward the goal Jesus has set for me? See, the real obstacles are not the external ones. 
the one we face every day, because every day there are obstacles, and some are bigger than others. And some people get stuck there, and they want to tell you about the obstacles they're facing all the time. But I'm here to tell you that, that those obstacles are not the real one. The real ox- obstacles are the internal ones. The ones we set up ourselves. A God-given vision not only becomes our driving passion in life, it also brings fire to our souls. Whatever is the center of our life will be the source of our security, guidance, wisdom, and power. And Covey calls these four elements life support factors. Security represents our sense of worth, and we all need that. We all need to feel secured. Guidance is our source of direction. Wisdom, our perspective on life, our sense of balance. It embraces principles, judgment, discernment, and power. It's the faculty, the capacity, the strength to act, to overcome bad habits, and cultivate good ones, uh, healthy habits. Friends, if the center of our lives is fear, guilt, grief, resentment, or any other destructive habit or emotion, our life support factors are going to be skewed. On the other hand, when God is the center of our lives, these four factors will be well integrated and will produce in us a healthy, balanced, godly character. However, if we allow ourselves to have alternative centers, such as the ones I already mentioned, or the spouse, the family, the money, the work, pleasure, religion, because remember, attending church does not necessarily mean living out the principles in this holy book or being filled with the Spirit or being saved, the only one that can save us is Jesus Christ. So rather than religion, we need relationship. We need a personal relationship with him. If we allow these alternative centers to control us, we will end up disappointed and empty. In order for us to reach our divine destiny, we must first find out who is at the center of our lives. Again, remember, alternative centers will limit our effectiveness And they will also blur the vision that God has given us. Beloved, life is too short. Life is too precious 
to live life with a pessimistic outlook. No matter your age or your past, God still has a plan for your life. A Scottish knight named William Wallace led the Battle of Stirling in 1297. Before going into it, he delivered a powerful speech to his army. He really wanted to motivate them. And one of the things he said I'd like to share with you this morning. He said this, we all end up dead. It's just a question of how and why. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. Many years later, this same words were quoted by Mel Gibson in an epic movie in 1995 called Braveheart. Don't wait till the end of your life to say, wow, I wish I would have done life differently. I wish I would have started with the end in mind. I wish I had the time to go back and change things. Do it today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Visualize yourself. Visualize your end as something glorious, leaving a great legacy behind. Speak the word of God over you, over your family, over your household. The word of God has power. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It never comes back void. Speak it, confess it, believe it. Because you see, you and I will never go beyond what we say about ourselves. If you keep telling yourself that you're dumb, then you'll be dumb. Or that you're poor, or that you'll never amount to anything, or that you're not good looking, or you don't have what it takes. That's what you're going to get. But if you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, Oh, Lord, thank you for making me so good looking. <laughs> thank you that I am the head and not the tail, that I'm above and not beneath. That I am the pearl of great price. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am the apple of your eye. All that I've said are biblical confessions. That's our new identity. That's who God says we are. We are beautiful people created by a loving God. A loving Father. A generous God. Press the delete button on defeat. 
You are a new creation through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. And if you are willing, God will make you able. You see, we need to learn from our brother Joseph. I'm sure you've read about Joseph um, in the book of Genesis. God gave Joseph a dream that one day he would be a ruler over a nation. And he was young. He was a young man. Had many brothers. He was loved by his daddy because he was the youngest one. And perhaps maybe he wanted to let them know what experience he had had with God and what God has said to him. So he ran to his brothers and said, God's going to make me a ruler. I had a dream. We, we talked. Well, if I could just, if you pardon my language, all hell broke loose around him. All of a sudden, these loving brothers put him in a cistern, sell him into slavery. After that, he ends up in prison. I mean, false accusations. It was one bad thing after the other. But Joseph kept his eyes on Jesus, kept his eyes on God, on the promise that God had made him. He trusted that dream and that vision that God had given him. He trusted it so much that he declared that he would be fruitful in the land of his afflictions. I love that verse. He took a strong stand. He was unshakable. He did what Corey Ten Boone, a concentration camp survivor, used to say. He believed in the dark what God had promised him in the light. And after 13 long years of tribulations. Read the story. It was one bad thing after the other. Joseph's dream became a powerful reality. God had not forgotten what he had promised Joseph. Again, because he who promised is faithful. What the devil meant for evil God turned it around for good. And Joseph kept his eyes on him. Abraham waited 25 years for that promised child, Isaac. Moses waited 40 years, going around and around the wilderness to get to see the promised land. Perhaps today you've been waiting for something, something that you have been praying for for a long time. I'm here to tell you this morning, do not get discouraged. Do not grow weary. He who promised is faithful. And it is in the waiting It is in the dark hours 
where God does the best work in us. Even when we don't see him, he's working. I have this beautiful um, Christmas cactus that I thought was dying. And I talked to my friend who has a green thumb. And I said, what's going to happen to Chrissy? Should I throw her away? Because you know I named my plants. And she said, no, 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 no. We got to put her in the dark. We got to put her under this other big tree or plant, and you're going to see what's going to happen. And at first, I didn't believe it. And every day, I would just go into that room and look a little and see if anything had happened. Lo and behold, two weeks later, I go and I look, and there she is blooming. So I take her out, and I take a picture, and I send it to my friend and say, look what just happened. <laughs> and probably I could hear her say, I told you so, but she didn't. And God was saying to me at that moment, this is what happens also in your life. When I place you in places that you think are very dark, and they are, and you think there's nothing happening, and I'm not doing anything, but I am. And I was reminded of what Terry, uh, um, Corey Ten Boone used to say all the time. Remember in the darkness what I promised you, what I told you in the light. Yes, Joseph waited 13 long years. And Abraham and Moses and Jesus 30 walking on earth ready to fulfill his ministry that would last three years. How about us? The choice is ours. Run amok? Live without aim, without a goal, without a vision? A God-given vision? Or choosing to always have the end in mind? Just like Jesus did who for the joy said before him, he endured the cross. And today, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Hebrews 12, 2. Beloved, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Make it count. Make a difference. Make an impact. Live behind an imprint. A good one. You know, sometimes you walk into a room and you could say, oh, so-and-so was here. Well, how do you know? Look at this mess. Other times we can walk in and say, oh, so-and-so was here. 
How do you know? Look at the blessings. May that be us. May we be like Jesus. The end in mind, keeping our eyes on God until the day that we hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, you're the only one that knows what we brought in our minds, in our hearts this morning. Some came with joyful hearts. Some with weary hearts. Bound by worry and fear. Some came even wondering, Lord, what's next? Which way do I go? What do I do? We came to the right place to ask all those questions. We have come to you this morning just as we are. And in your great love, you receive us. The good news is that you are not going to leave us the same way we came. You want to minister to our hearts. You want to change our lives. And we open ourselves for you to do that right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Baptize us anew with fresh anointing. Come touch our lives, our hearts, our messes. Come give us direction. We want to start living life with the end in mind. We, we, we want to live life with a vision, a God-given vision. We want to leave behind a legacy. We want people to see you in us. So I pray this morning for anyone here that might not have hope. Or walking in fear, guilt, depression, oppression. Or someone that's still bound by their past. I pray for deliverance right now in Jesus' name. I also pray for physical healing. There's nothing impossible for you. Every disease has to bow down to you. And so we pray in Jesus' name for healing and for wholeness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making us beautiful people. 
just like you are. We pray this prayer. We close this prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.